Many of you have a list of things in your mind right now at this point in your life, a list of things in your mind that you feel like you're not in the right place spiritually yet, you're not yet where you want to be, and you have a list of things in your mind that you feel like, I need to, if I could get that straight, if I could start to do this, or if I could get better at this, or if I could stop doing this, if I could do this, this, and this, if I could get these things, this list together, and if I could just make these changes, if I could just start to do these, these things, then my life would be a lot better. Then, then I would finally sort of begin, I would be advancing in the faith. I would be, I would have reached another level. I would, if I could just, I know the level I'm on is so low. My spirituality, my faith, my Christianity, it's so low. If I could just, if I could just get that, if I could add that, if I could do this, if I could do some things, if I could just get myself together, get myself, get, get some things happening in my life, make it, take a turn a corner, do some stuff, I could reach another level and there would be a whole new blessing of God, new work of God in my life, a new, bless, new blessings that I don't have right now. If I could just do those, those religious things, those good things, those obedient things, if I could do that, then I, would reach, then I would reach that new level. And I want to, use, I want to preach from, the, 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 book, the, from the, the account of the transfiguration today from the Gospel of Matthew and really challenge that, that way of thinking. I think it's, it happens to me all the time. I get in that sort of mind frame, and that's just not what the Bible teaches. That's just not the Gospel approach to the Christian life. I want, I want to show you this from, from, this, uh, from this text this morning, so let's look at it. After six days, Jesus, verse 1, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And then skip to verse 5. And while he was still speaking, Peter began to speak. A bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the father speaking, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. What are we seeing here? What's going on here? For one thing, one thing we can say is this is a, later this is referred to as a vision, a vision. It's a real happening, but it's a vision. It's a visionary representation to them of truth that they, that they need to see, that they need to understand. And one thing that's going on here is this is a vision of Jesus' divine nature. Jesus' divinity, the fact that he is God, is, is shining forth even in his human form. Some, some of his magnificence and his glory is shining out for Peter, James, and John to witness just a, a bit of it, a bit of the, of the glory of God in Jesus, that Jesus himself is reflecting, that Jesus himself is that glory and has that glory. He, when Moses and Elijah show up, they don't show up as three prophets to talk shop. Jesus is the Son of God, and Moses and Elijah are his servants. Moses and Elijah are inferior. He is great. The two, two of the greatest men in the history of Israel. And you, and you recognize that in the Old Testament, you know, um, 
there are many, many uh, men and women in the Old Testament, heroes of the faith, but some of them stood out above the others. Um, and you know, most of the men and women in the Old Testament didn't do miracles, for example. Both Moses and Elijah did miracles all the time. Most of the people in the Old Testament never did a miracle. Moses and Elijah were both these great miracle workers, these great prophets of God. They were held up. Moses, the one who gave them the law, and Elijah, sort of the first of these great prophets of God that were to come. Um, he's usually considered like sort of the first in this, in this line of great prophets that come in the, late, in the later days in the Old Testament. But, um, but Moses and Elijah, Jesus is their God. Jesus is not their peer or their equal. And so when they're talking shop, it is, we're not told in Matthew what they're talking about, but in Luke we are, so I'll make reference to it for a second. Guess what they're talking about? It says his exodus, his, his exodus that was coming up in Jerusalem, which was a, a, a metaphoric way of describing his death, his crucifixion. And what's going on here is Jesus is telling them about it. They're not talking shop. How should we, how should we approach? Moses, what do you think? You got some ideas? Elijah, would you like to make a motion, Elijah? Moses, would you like to, Moses, what do you think about this? Let's discuss this. No, Jesus is telling Moses and Elijah, the two greatest, uh, two of the greatest men in all of Israel's history, the prophets that they all looked up to, the pro- that they said, who are you following? Who are your heroes of the faith? Moses and Elijah, first of all. The greatest, these two greatest, and Jesus is instructing them about his death. He is teaching them about his cross and about his death, which he's just, he's just told the disciples about, and he is, he is laying that out for them. But what, what I want you to think about, to, to make the, the cross, you say, where is the cross in all of this? Uh, it, it's, it's not being referenced directly, but it's just been talked about, so it, it sort of is in the air. Jesus has just explained this to them. And think about that when we're seeing this glory of Jesus, this is the glory that he had with the Father that he laid aside to come. In order to come, this is the glory that he laid aside in order to humiliate himself, to humble himself, to come among us and to die on a cross. He laid aside this glory. So they're seeing the glory that he, he, they're seeing his sacrifice in the sense that they're also seeing his divinity. They're seeing what he gave up for them, for salvation. And so what I want you, the the transfiguration is is not about a mountaintop experience and about what you can do in order to reach higher levels of the Christian, go up the mountain and reach higher levels of Christian life and get more blessings from God and get up to the top of the mountain to the highest experience. That's not what it's about. It's all about Jesus and salvation is God's work. It is the work of God. It is the work of the Son of God. This is what he has, it is God's work, not yours. It is not that list of things that you have in mind that you're going to start doing. And when you do those things, you'll start climbing up the mountain and getting closer to the blessing and getting, no, 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 it is God's work. It is the work of this one who was transfigured before them in order to sort of say to them, it's him, it's only him, only he can do this. And this humble man that's walking about among you, this is the glory that he laid aside to come in order to do this, in order to die, in order to suffer. 
This is the glory he's laid aside. This is a vision also of Jesus' future. It's a vision of the resurrection. It's a, they're seeing the glory of the resurrection and the glory of Jesus' ascension and the glory of Jesus' enthronement at the right hand of the Father and all of that glory. They're seeing it sort of, they're seeing it in the future in this visionary experience. They're seeing what hasn't yet uh, on the, in history come to pass what the human Jesus, where he has not gotten yet, but where he is going. And how will he get there? Through the cross. The only way he's going to get to this resurrection glory and this ascension and this enthronement and all this power and this salvation he's going to work is, by, uh, is through the cross. The cross will lead to this glory. It's this, the, the transfiguration is about Jesus Christ. It's about God's work, not yours. It's not about what you do. It's about what God did in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. He is the one who, and the only one who could achieve this. And he's going to achieve this glory um, uh, through his death on the, uh, his, on the path to the cross. This is also a vision. I said it's a vision of Jesus' divine nature. It's a vision of Jesus' future and the resurrection and ascension and his kingdom. All of those things, which is what, is what it's referred to in verse 28 of the last chapter, uh, it's a vision of the, of the coming kingdom and his glory in that, his, his, his enthronement, his kingship, his messiahship. But it's also a vision of their salvation. It's a vision of their salvation. Uh, back to verse 2 and 3 again. He says, uh, he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, two dead men, dead men long dead, centuries ago, and they're talking with the Son of God. Talking with God. There's a vision of our salvation in this. Moses and Elijah are alive. And they're untouched by death. And though the resurrection day has not come yet, we are seeing in the, the reality of the fact that these who, those who have died before are not dead, but are alive. Who, are, who have gone on um, and, are, and they are uh, with God and they uh, interact with God and, 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 and they're in God's presence and they're free from death. Jesus in his humanity, and, you know, he's still in his human body, but it's, his human body's being glorified and it's showing us a vision of our salvation. That's what, do you understand that that's what your future is? A glorified human body. This is what Jesus does. He glorifies the human body through his salvation, and the resurrection will not be a body like this. It will be a body that we don't understand what that body will be. It will be a real body, but it will be a glorified body. And so we're seeing a vision of your salvation and mine. Remember the famous quote from C.S. Lewis and said, if you saw the garbage man on the day of resurrection, and you, you know, the, uh, he probably said dust man, because uh, he's British. But whatever he said, he didn't actually say garbage man. I'm making this up. But he said, if you saw the garbage man on the day of resurrection, you would fall down on your face before him to worship him because of the glory that he now had, the magnificence that he now had because of his resurrection. This is what the Lord Jesus is going to do, and we're seeing this in Jesus' human body that he and his glorifying. It's, a, it's an image of our resurrection. It's a vision of our salvation. And if you're set free from death and if you're glorified, it means, of course, what has already happened? You've been set free from sin. That salvation is being set free from the evil within you, the evil 
uh, the evil desires and the evil direction that you often go and the sin that's within you. And you will be set, you are, you will be set free by Jesus' cross and resurrection. Um, they, they, uh, this is what he accomplished. Um, they will be like Moses and Elijah with God. This is what God is going to do. It's God's work. It's about this is the one. The transfiguration is showing us this is the one who will accomplish this. This is the only one who could accomplishment. He goes further with, it gives us more with verse 5. While he was still speaking, Peter, a bright cloud enveloped them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my beloved son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. We talked about a few weeks ago, son of God means God. People often take Son of God to mean something less than God. Son of God means something less than God. No, Son of God, the Son of God. When we say Jesus is the Son of God, it means Jesus is God. He is the beloved Son of the Father. He is loved by the Father. He is the second person of the Trinity. The Father and the Son are both God, equal in power and glory. The one who pleases me in his humanity, he is without sin. Uh, And so it's through his righteousness, it's it's not, through, it's not through that list that you have. It's not through that list that you have, and if you just get those things done, if you just get those things figured out, and you patch up this and you patch up that, it is through the one, the holy one, the righteous one. He is your only hope. You are a sinner. Do you understand that? Do you understand the sins in your life? And even if you start to, make some, you start to take some steps and add some things to you, you will still be a sinner. You will be a sinner at that moment on your deathbed when you're breathing your last. You will be a sinner. Right? There will be sin in your heart, sin in your mind, and your only hope will be in the Holy One, the Righteous One, the One transfigured on the mountain. He's your only hope. He's the one who saves. He's the one who who pleases God. You don't please God in your sense only by what God gives you, only by the fruit of the Spirit worked in you. Those fruit of the Spirit can be pleasing to God, but that's a work of Jesus in you. Through his righteousness, you will be saved. Through his obedience, not yours, not through your list, but through Jesus' list, the list given to him by the Father. Jesus, this is my will for you. This is my word for you. This is what you are to do. And Jesus went and he did it. He laid his glory aside. He became a man, and he did what the Father laid out for him to do. And he was well-pleasing to the Father. And it's because he pleases the Father that you can be, for, you can be saved and forget, forgiven. And so when it says, listen to him, what, what comes to your mind right then? I remember when I was younger and I would read this, I'd be, it says, after all that, it then says, listen to him. When I was younger, when I'd read that, I would think, Oh, that's talking about all Jesus' commandments. It's saying, obey Jesus, obey Jesus, obey. Make sure you do everything he said to do or, or things won't go well for you. Make sure you listen to him. He's the Messiah after all, so he's the lawgiver. Obey him. In the light of all this, is that what it's talking about? What are you supposed to listen to that Jesus is giving them? The gospel. He just said, I'm going to die on the cross And he's about to preach to them the gospel message that he's going to save them by his death on the cross and by his resurrection. And in the coming days after his death and resurrection, he's going to lay out that truth for them in its fullness. 
And he's preparing them for this. He's saying, listen to him. He's got a word for you. He's got the truth of where salvation comes from. He's got the word of what he is going to accomplish, the gospel message, the wonderful message. And in the coming days, listen to him. He's saying to Peter, James, and John, listen to his message. This will be the message for the world, the message the apostles will take out to the world. Listen to his gospel. Believe his gospel. It's a message. What is the gospel? It's a message about what Jesus has done, right? It's a message about what God had planned and what God did in Jesus. It's a message about God, what God, God's accomplishment, not yours, not mine. It's not a message about our list. It's not a message about doing this and doing the other thing and fixing this and fixing the other thing. Are you like me? Do you often get caught up? Maybe this isn't, maybe not all of you struggle with this, but I all the time get caught up in, oh gosh, this is, nothing's right right now. Nothing's good right now. Nothing's the way it should be right now because I don't have my list straight and I've failed in this area and I'm going to get that fixed. And I'm, and, 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 I'm, and I'm saying like down the road somewhere, maybe on Tuesday or maybe a week from Tuesday or maybe a month from Tuesday or maybe by next year, I'm going to have my my life back on a, on a spiritual plane again. No. Is that what Jesus says? He says, believe in me. I do the work. I've done the work. Believe in me. Blessing, the blessing from God and the life from God, and, 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 and he will begin to, now, it doesn't mean there's not fruit, doesn't mean there's not obedience, but that will come out of believing in Christ, believing in Jesus and receiving all from him. Listen to him. Listen to what he has to tell you about himself. Listen to what he has to tell you about what he's accomplishing on the cross and through the resurrection. Listen to his gospel. There's nothing for you to do today to know God's blessing. Are there things, is there obedience that God wants you to do? Of course. Are there things that please God? You do this and you do, of course there is. But do you understand, there's, we, we can very quickly fall into this idea of if, if I don't do that stuff, then I'm, then I'm on the outs with God. Then I'm not, if I fail, if I sin again, which you are going to sin again. And so many of us live in this perpetual idea of God's not with me right now. He might be with me on Wednesday because I'm really going to try to get things straight when I wake up early Tuesday morning. And I'm going to fix this. You're going to fix what? You ain't going to fix Nothing. There's nothing you can do. It is Jesus' work. It is his work from beginning to end. He saves by his death and resurrection. Believe in him, and all is yours. Receive it from him, and all is yours. He has reconciled you with God. God is yours. God is your father. You are in God's family. You are in God's church if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, he wants to see transformation in your life, but, salvate, but, but all that transformation comes out of the salvation that you already believe in Christ and you're already living in that faith in Christ and you, receive, and you know today you are on the mountaintop. Today you're already where there's nowhere higher that you should be today in this age. You have all that you need from God. You have all that you need. Jesus did it for you. It's all yours. Now, watch it begin to bear fruit in your life. Watch it begin to play out in your life. Jesus has reconciled you to God. Believe what Jesus has done. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. 
When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. What is that they heard? When they heard the voice of God, when they saw the cloud, and if that cloud doesn't ring any bells for you, that cloud was the same cloud that would come down on the tabernacle and the cloud that would come down on the temple. It's the, it's the Shekinah glory. It's the presence of God. It's, 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 a, it's a visionary symbolism of, of those things. Uh, and so uh, that, that cloud envelops them, and then they hear the voice of God saying these words, um, in verse six, uh, in verse five, I'm sorry. And then it says the disciples they heard when they heard this voice they fell face down to the ground terrified. Why did they fall down on the ground terrified? Because they were sinners, and they knew they were sinners. And their list was not looking very good. There was not much checked off their list. Their list looked bad. <sighs> they were a mess. And the holy God was in their midst. And here they are, sinners, and they fall face down, knowing they're not worthy to be there. They are unholy. They are sinful. All that they have done, all the, things they've, all the ways they've even failed Jesus in these years of ministry, again and again and again, they're sinful people. And they fall down, face down before, because God is present. God is speaking. And then, but then what happens? There they are in the ground. This is, this is us. On the ground, overwhelmed by our sin. Overwhelmed by, ah, if I could just get this straight and this straight, then I know, God, you would bless me. God, I'm sorry that uh, I'm going to get this figured out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the other thing, Lord. And then there's a touch, and it's Jesus touching them. He says, get up. Don't be afraid. Do you understand how profound that is? When they're overwhelmed by the presence of God, on their face because of their sin, because of their unworthiness, Jesus touches them on the shoulder and says, get up, Peter. Don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. I'm here to save you from your sins. I'm God. God loves you so much, he sent me. I, the Son of God, love you so much. I'm here for you, Peter. I'm here because of you, Peter. You're a sinner. I'm here to save you from your sins. Your sins I'm, I, 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 have not, I haven't rejected you because of your sins. Instead, I'm going to liberate you from your sins. I'm going to provide the sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins. Get up, Peter. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of me, the Son of God. Don't be afraid of the Messiah. Yes, you're a sinner, no doubt. But there's no reason for you to be afraid because I've come to liberate you from your sins. That's why I'm here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Um, there, there, there they are on there. And when they look up, what do they, it says, and when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus, no longer transfigured back in his ordinary, humble uh, appearance. He's there before them. Um, I will save you from your sin. I will do it all for you. And why did Jesus come to save us from our sins? Because of the Father's love, what the Bible teaches us for us, because of his love for us. We don't have to win him over to save us, win him over to bless us. This was his idea. He initiated it. It was all his plan. It was all him from beginning to end. It was all Jesus from beginning to end. You don't have to feel like uh, uh, what right do I have to talk to him? You have every right. He came for you. He died for you. 
to, to save you, to, for, to provide forgiveness for you. And i got to mention this. Verse 4. Look at verse 4. So this wonderful thing is happening. Moses and Elijah show up. Jesus is transfigured. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I'm loving this, Lord. This is awesome. Man. Wow. Good golly, Jesus. What is happening? This is amazing. I got an idea. Something I could do. Some way I can contribute. Some way that I can help out. Some way that I can... Um, I can add something to this and make sure that Moses knows how much I love him and Elijah knows how much I love him and you know how much I, and so then if I do this, you know, uh, then, you know, you guys will think well of me and because you guys are awesome, you're amazing, Moses, good golly, Elijah's here, Jesus, look at your freaking face, what is happening, I want to be a part of this. Can I get attached to this somehow? I got an idea. I'll build some stuff for you. I'll build these things. It will be great. And this is Jesus' response. He's got nothing for it. No agreement, no response, no comment. Just like, let's just let that one drop. Awkward, let's just let that drop. Peter, you got nothing to add. Peter, you got nothing. You got nothing. This moment is about me, so you will see who your Savior is, so you will see who the Son of God is, so you will see who the Messiah is, and you'll put your attention on me, and you'll listen to me. Stop talking, Peter. Stop giving me, oh, you got a list. I see the first three things on your list are these three structures. Nice list. No, Peter, put the list away. Peter thinks he's, he needs to do something. Jesus ignores his offer. Why? Because this is God's work. What, what, they're, what they're dealing with now is salvation itself. This is God's work. This is Jesus' work. It's what Jesus is going to do. It's what God is going to do. And let me, let me close out with look, sending you, see your attention to verse 12. Look at verse 12. We're not going to talk much about the Elijah story. The story, I mean, the question about Elijah and all that. It's, it's explained right in the passage that he's referring to John the Baptist. But just look at verse 12 again. It says, but I tell you, Elijah has already come, meaning John the Baptist. And they did not recognize him. They did not recognize that he was the one prophesied to come before the Messiah. But they have done to him everything they wished. They arrested him, they imprisoned him, and they beheaded him. In the same way, the Son of Man, what Jesus calls himself, is going to suffer at their hands. And so before this account closes out and they come down the mountain, we're reminded once again that the way God is going to do all this is through Jesus' suffering. He's going to accomplish this amazing thing. He's going to save us, sinners, from our sins and from the death that's a consequence of that sin. He's going to do it through Jesus and through Jesus alone by what he does not by anything you add to it, by anything that you do. It is all the salvation begins with him. The salvation is his work from beginning to end. And it is accomplished through his suffering that he makes reference to again here uh, in verse 12. God did everything through Jesus' suffering to him. So let me give you this application. Listen to him. If Jesus said that he's going to save you from your sins if you believe in him, Listen to 
Take him at his word. Take him at his word. He's going to save you if you put your faith in him. And the more you begin to understand, Luther has this great line, Martin Luther has this great line, where when he says, we begin to change after we, after we become Christians, we begin to change because the more we understand, because Jesus in his cross and in Jesus in his life exemplifies for us what mercy is, what love is, what kindness is, what goodness is, what long-suffering is, all those things Jesus exemplifies. So the more we have our attention upon what Jesus has done, his work, the more we are going to begin to become like him. And it will be, it's a slow progress. It's a very, very, it's not, you're, it's not you are uh, enlightened overnight and everything goes from black to white and everything's changed now. But you, it's a slow progress. The more you have your focus on Jesus and what he has done, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness, and what he did for us, the more you will begin to become merciful, which is exactly what God wants of you. Loving, which is exactly what God, why is love the summary of the law? Because he wants us, the more we see the love of Christ, the more we will begin to love the people around us. And we will begin to love others and show them the same forgiveness and mercy and kindness and love that Jesus has shown to us. But that comes after you recognize what Jesus has done for you. Do you believe? Do you, do you, are you listening to him? Do you believe him? Do you believe he's done the work? He's already taken care of it? 